Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Fresh Encounter, the radio ministry of Lifelong Anointing Church. Our mission as a church is to equip the body of Christ to increase in wisdom and in stature, and in favor with God and with men. We're glad that you joined us for this edition of the broadcast. It is our prayer that this broadcast will be a blessing to you. Here now is Pastor Otuno with today's message. Luke chapter 1, reading from verse number 74. The Bible tells us something very interesting there. The Bible says that he, talking about the Lord Jesus Christ, he said that he will grant unto us that being delivered out of the hands of our enemies, we might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our lives. In other words, until you are delivered from, you know, until you are delivered, until the Lord Almighty has broken some yoke in your life and delivered you from the hands of the enemy, living a life of holiness, living a life of righteousness might be an illusion. You'll find that you continue to struggle with the same sin over and over. Now, from this part of the scripture, the Bible is telling us that as we live in this present fallen world, we live in this, in this world that is, that is ridden with sin. Freedom is not a given. That's what the Bible is trying to let you know. The fact that you are alive today, the fact that you are living today, freedom is not automatic. Okay? The Bible is saying there is a reason why the children of God are finding it very difficult to live a life of freedom. There is a reason why many of us are, are operating in one form of bondage or the other. There is a reason why there are some limitations in our lives. And the reason, you know, there's a reason why freedom appears to be elusive in, in our life. And if you go back to verse 71 of that same Luke chapter 1, the Bible is telling us the reason. It's saying that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hands of them that hate us. In other words, the Bible is saying that there are forces that opposes freedom. In the life of an individual. There are forces that do not want you to get to where you want to get to. You don't have to believe me. They are in operation. You have heard me say several times. You don't have to believe in the law of gravity. Just go to downtown Nashville and jump from the Batman's Tower. You will know whether there is a law of gravity or not. You don't have to believe that there are forces that are opposed to you. You just find out the way you are living. You can see them in operation. And the Bible is making us to understand that there are forces that oppose the freedom of man. There are forces that will not allow you to move forward. There are forces that are in our operation that will not allow a person to get to where God wants them, wants them to get to. These uh, There are powers that do not want to, uh, the children of God to experience the promise of freedom that God has made to them. And also the Bible is telling us in verse number 74 that we have just read that for us to experience that particular promised freedom, for us to live the life of freedom that God has talked to us, the Bible is saying certain things must happen. If we hope to experience the promise that God has given unto us, certain actions must be taken. You cannot just experience freedom. Freedom will not just fall on your fall on your laps. Certain things must happen for you to see that freedom happen. And the Bible is saying that for that freedom to come, we must be delivered from the hands of our enemies. And these enemies don't have to be physical. They have to be they, 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 they can be they can be mental and they can be spiritual. 
We'll go into the details of the kind of spiritual forces may as we go down in this study throughout the month. But I just want you to understand one thing. Why was it that the children of Israel, who were delivered from the hands of Pharaoh, when they got into the wilderness, they were thinking of going back to Pharaoh so that they could go and eat garlic and onion. Why? It is one thing for you to be delivered physically. It's another thing for you to be delivered mentally. It is one thing for you to be delivered physically. It's another thing for you to be delivered spiritually. The Bible is saying that for freedom to come, we must be delivered from the hands of our enemies. And these enemies can be physical, they can be spiritual, and they can be mental. In other words, until you are delivered from the hands of your enemies, serving God in holiness and in righteousness will be an illusion. Until you are delivered from the hands of our enemies, experiencing the promise of freedom that God has made unto us will be an illusion. And the question is, why is it difficult to experience the promise of freedom that God has given unto us? Why? Why is it difficult? Now, to understand why experiencing true freedom is difficult, you must understand what this thing called freedom is all about. What is this thing called freedom? What is it all about? Freedom. Like many of you will talk about, talk about prosperity. Freedom is one of those ideals that everybody wants in their lives. But very few truly get to enjoy it. Everybody talks about freedom, but very few really know what they are talking about, really understand what freedom is all about. When it comes to freedom, there are generally three points of view, three ways in which people see freedom. And the first way people see freedom is the personal view of freedom. In other words, this is a view of freedom that provides you with a sense that you as an individual are not being coerced or restrained by another person from doing what you desire to do. In other words, freedom, the personal view of freedom says, I want to do something, nobody can hold me back. I want to come to church today, the law will not prevent me. I want to sing praises to the Almighty God, the law will not prevent me. Nobody can hold me back from doing something that I want to do. That is the personal view of freedom. There is what is called the sovereign view of freedom. And that sovereign view of freedom says that freedom is the power of an individual to act as one pleases, regardless of the wishes of other people. In other words, whether you like it or not, I'm going to preach the gospel. That is the view of, you know, that is the, that is the sovereign view of, of, of freedom. There is what is also called the civic view of freedom. The civic view of freedom talks about the individual members of society having the ability to participate in the life and governance of that particular society. That is the view, that is the, the civic view of freedom. Now, these are the general ways in which men see freedom. The problem is that these views of freedom are limited and they are easily misunderstood. If you view freedom as the sense of not being coerced or restrained by any other person from doing whatever you want to do, there is a strong tendency that you will confuse freedom for personal rights. You will confuse freedom to mean the right to personal satisfaction. In other words, when you see freedom, from the point of view of personal freedom, you will think that freedom means I have the right to satisfy myself anytime. And many people think like that in our society. If you view freedom as the power of an individual to act, to act and as, as they please, regardless of what other people think, you will have that strong tendency to confuse freedom to mean the absence of self-restraint or promotion of indulgence. In other words, if you think that freedom means I can do whatever I want to do, regardless of what you think or what I think, you will begin to see, you begin to feel that freedom means self, you know, self-indulgence. 
You will begin to see freedom as something that means that I cannot restrain myself. And that's why people can act the way they think they, they because they feel that they are free, they can behave and talk to people and act anyhow. That is because they see freedom as a tendency, you know, a, a, a tendency to do whatever they want to do without care or regard for what other people think. Now, number three, if you view freedom as the capacity of an individual to participate in the, in the, in the, in the governance of society, there is a tendency to see freedom as meaning the right to always have a say in every matter. And you don't, sometimes don't have a say in every matter. But there are times when you, if you have that kind of view of freedom, you will think that everybody, you must have a say in everything. And because some people think like that, that is why their marriage is on the rock. Because they think they have to have something to say. Even when they are supposed to keep their mouth shut, they keep blabbing and blabbing until the man or the woman walks out of their their life. Because they feel that they must have a say at every point in time. And as we see... This view of freedom plays out in our society on a daily basis, where individuals are convinced that because they are free, they have the right to satisfy every known indulgence, you know, every indulgence known to man. That's what, and that's why they begin to behave. And that's why you see the decadence in our society. And because they think that they are free, they have a right not to deny themselves of anything. They can think of anything and begin to accomplish it. And that is, those are, those are the things that are playing out in our society and even in the church. And this kind of attitude towards freedom is making people in our society, even in the church, less free and is driving them into bondage and into slavery. Because they feel that they are free, there is no longer restraint. Because they feel that they are free, they no longer deny themselves anything. Because they feel that they are free, they can open their mouth and just talk anything that comes out of it. Because they feel that they are free, they put their hands into other people's business and they feel that they can, they can influence whatever is going on around them. And as a result, they think that they are pursuing freedom while that particular pursuit is leading them into what? Into bondage and captivity. But apart from these three views of, of freedom, there is another view which is the fourth view of freedom. This view is more aligned with what the scripture talks about. It is the view that is called the natural view of freedom. This view, this natural view of freedom tells or says that man has a God-given right and responsibility to pursue his God-given purpose within the confines of the laws of God. In other words, you have the right to be happy. You have the right to pursue happiness. You have the right to pursue liberty. You have the right to pursue everything you had, you know, the purposes of God for your life. And you are responsible for that particular pursuit within the confines of the Almighty God. In other words, you are free to do whatever you want to do as long as you operate within the confines of the laws of God. People who hear that says that that is not freedom, that that is restrictive. But I like to tell people that if you look at the train, the locomotive train, as they are driving, the locomotive train is free to drive, is free to travel any distance as long as it remains where? It remains on the track. If it veers off the track, what happened? The train will find out how free it is. The same thing. As an individual, you are free to do whatever you want to do as long as you remain within the confines of the laws of the Almighty God. As soon as you veer away from it, that is when you discover that freedom has limitations. That is when you understand that freedom has its responsibility. And this view of freedom is what is most aligned to the word of God. And this is the view that is described in the Declaration of Independence when the, when the framers say there is this alienable right. And this right includes the right to life, the right to liberty, the pursuit of happiness. This is what the framers were referring to. This was what they were talking about. These are the human rights that God delegated to man in the book of Genesis. 
Now, from these views of freedom that we have talked about, there is, you know, what then is this thing called freedom? What then is this thing called freedom? Genesis chapter 1, reading from verse number 26, the Bible tells us, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let him have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over the, over the, uh, 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 over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. Please notice in this particular verse of the scripture that upon everything that God says you should have dominion over, man was not included. In other words, it is not the intention of God that you as an individual should have dominion upon upon, upon another person. No. That was not the intention of God if you read this scripture, this verse of the scripture. The Lord is saying, let us make man in our own image, in our own likeness, and let them have dominion. Over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over the earth, over all the earth, and everything that creepeth upon the face of the earth. Now, from this verse of scripture, we see that this thing called freedom is the liberty to dominate the earth through the use of your God-given gifts and talent in pursuit of the fulfillment of God's personal purpose for your life. And while you are doing that, you are making sure that you are not restraining or hindering another person from doing their own, you know, from fulfilling their own purpose. In other words, freedom is the self-discovery of one personal purpose and the liberty to pursue the fulfillment of that purpose according to the laws and principles established by God without restricting others from doing the same. That's what freedom is all about. And because of the fallen nature of man, this meaning of freedom is easily confused and misunderstood. And Paul the Apostle recognized that even in the early days in the, among, the, among the Christians in Galatians. In the, in the book of Galatians chapter 5 that we read this morning, reading from verse number 13, the Bible tells us something there. It says, for you, brethren, have not been called, have been called to liberty. Only do not use your liberty as an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word. Even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. In other words, Paul the Apostle was saying to the Galatians Christian, Listen, my brothers and sisters, if you must understand anything about liberty, you must understand these three basic concepts about liberty, about freedom. And that's the first thing you must understand that Paul the Apostle was trying to tell them. He was saying that freedom is not self-indulgence. Freedom is not self-indulgence. That's what Paul was trying to tell them. He said, brethren, you have been called to liberty. But do not use your liberty for an occasion to the flesh. In other words, don't use it as self-indulgence. Don't use it as a license. Don't use it as an excuse to misbehave. And he said the same thing to the Romans. He said, shall we continue in sin and expect the grace of God to continue? He said, for God forbid. In other words, God is saying that you are free. But your freedom must be put in check. The Lord is saying that you have been called to liberty. You are free in Christ. But that liberty must not be used as an excuse for self-indulgence. He said, if you want to understand anything about freedom, that is the first thing you must understand. Number two, Paul the Apostle said, freedom is not a license to injure another person. He said, but if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you consume one another. 
I tell people I am free to wave my hands as much as I like. And you notice when I preach, I use, I use my hands a lot. But the freedom to wave my hand stops at the brother or sister who is standing to my right or stands to my left. Because if I start waving my hand and I start hitting their face, it's no longer gesture. It becomes physical assault. Yeah. The point we are making, Paul the Apostle was making to the Galatian Christian is that, number one, freedom is not self-indulgence. Number two, freedom is not a license to injure another person. The fact that I'm free does not mean I can begin to trample on your rights. The fact that I can say whatever I mean doesn't mean I should peddle, peddle lies against you. The fact that I can do whatever I want to do does not mean I should do something that will destroy or limit your own ability to carry your own freedom of choice. Freedom is not a license to injure another person. Number three, Paul the Apostle was telling them, he said, freedom is not a disregard of the laws of God. In other words, you cannot say you are free and disregard established laws. You cannot say you are free and disregard established principles that governs the universe. You are free to spend your money the way you want, but you are not free to excuse the consequences. If you spend more than you are earning, you are not free to stay out of debt. Except, of course, if you have another formula that we are not aware of. But the point we are making is that when you disobey established law, the laws of God, that is not freedom. When you disobey the laws of nature, that is not freedom. When you do this contrary to the established order, that is not freedom. Paul the Apostle is saying, number one, freedom is not self-indulgent. Number two, freedom is not licensed to injure another another person. And number three, freedom is not the disregard of the laws of God. But for some reason, our society has has now become so educated that they have become imbeciles. And they have come to the point where they believe that freedom is self-indulgence. I can do whatever I want to do. That freedom is, an, is a license to kill or to injure other people by the things that they say or the rumors that they peddle. That freedom is a disregard of, this, is a disregard of, of established law, of the laws of nature, and especially of the laws of God. And this must be understood clearly if we are going to experience the freedom that God has promised. But when we have a false notion of freedom, when the notion of freedom is that of self-indulgence, when our notion of freedom is that of injuring other people, when our notion of freedom is that of the disregard of established laws of God and the laws of nature, that is when we end up confusing liberty for license. In other words, when freedom is misunderstood, freedom, when freedom is misunderstood, license is confused, is confused for liberty. You begin to think that because you, you, you're acting anyhow is what freedom is all about. That's where you begin to confuse it. When freedom is misunderstood, you see that uh, virtue, you know, this self-indulgence is not celebrated as a virtue. And that's why people like Hugh Hefner will become this, he will become the celebrity in certain circle. When freedom is misunderstood, when freedom is misunderstood, restraint is abhorred. In other words, it becomes something that people, people will regard with disgust and hatred. When you tell them that they have to put restraint in the things that come out of their mouth, when you say that restraint in the way they behave in the life, that is when they look at it as being abhorrent. Because they, they have misunderstood what freedom is all about. When freedom is misunderstood, disregard for the laws of God is considered progress, is considered forward and progressive thinking. When you disregard, when you misunderstand what freedom is all about. When we misunderstand, and finally when we misunderstand freedom, we end up in bondage and in slavery. In other words, when freedom is misunderstood, slavery becomes inevitable. 
And the slavery doesn't mean that you have to go to the cotton field. Slavery can be to a particular attitude, to a particular sin, to a particular behavior, to a particular indulgence. When freedom is misunderstood, slavery or bondage becomes inevitable. And that is why in our culture today and in the church, many appear to be physically free. But a lot of people we encounter on a daily basis are bound. They are enslaved. They are shackled both mentally and spiritually by the very things that they hope will set them free. And the question then is, how do we experience this particular freedom that God has promised? How do you experience it? John chapter 8, reading from verse number 32. The Bible tells us there, He said, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. In other words, the Bible is saying that the source of true freedom is knowing the person of the truth. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. If you want to understand what true freedom is all about, you need to know the person of the truth. The source of true freedom is knowing truth personified. In other words, freedom is knowing the Son of God and what He has done for humanity. In other words, until you know Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, you are not free. That's basically what the Bible is telling us. Until you bow your knees to the Lord Jesus Christ, to the foot of the at the foot of the cross, freedom is you don't understand what freedom is all about, and that's why Jesus Himself tells us in verse number thirty six of that same John chapter eight. Jesus said, "If the Son shall set you free, you shall be free indeed." In other words, freedom does not come from any other place. Freedom does not come from your level of academics or your level of accomplishment or the amount of money that we have. Freedom does not come by the number of connections that we have or the things that we know or do not know. Freedom does not come from our station in life, where we are born or where we are operating. Freedom comes by knowing the person of our Lord Jesus Christ. And until Jesus sets you free, you are not free. That's what the Bible says. And by implication, if Jesus has not set you free, you have no idea what freedom is all about. If you have not encountered the risen Savior, if you have not come to the point where you know that Jesus is the Lord and he has delivered you from the power of sin, freedom, you have no idea what it is. And you are not free. Now, if Jesus is the one who sets us free, and freedom means knowing him as our Lord and Savior, the question then is, why is the experience of true freedom elusive in the life of people who claim that they know him? Why? If Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, if Jesus is the one that set people free, if Jesus is the one that actually breaks the yokes of the enemy, you break the yoke of the enemy in the life of an individual, why is it that those of us who are called by his name, why are we not free? Why? Why is it difficult for many believers to experience the freedom that God has promised? I'll make some suggestions to you. And the first reason why I believe that freedom is difficult for the people of God is because of what I call the burden of demands that freedom makes upon the life of those who enjoy it. Freedom is not easy. There is a demand that freedom makes upon your life. There is a demand that freedom makes upon the life of a family. There is a demand that it makes upon a community, upon a society, upon a nation. And when you are unable to pay or you are unwilling to pay that day to carry the better demand, you will find that freedom becomes elusive. 
That is why the children of Israel were able to be delivered from the bondage, the physical bondage of Egypt. But they remained enslaved all through their lives, in their, all through their journey in the wilderness. It's because freedom, there's a burden of demand that freedom requires from those who enjoy it. Number two, why is freedom elusive? Freedom is elusive because of the burden of choice. Because of the burden of joy. True freedom is difficult because to, it's difficult to experience because it requires a careful consideration of the consequences of choices. You are free to wake up at night and pray. You are also free to sleep all night. You are free to read the scriptures. You are also free not to read the scriptures. You are free to be able to, to receive the power of the Spirit of God. You are also free not to even ask for it. But there is a consequence for it. And if you are going to enjoy the freedom that God has promised, you have to be able to carefully consider the consequences of the choices. I used to say that God did not create robots. He created thinking men. People with the ability to make rational choices. And freedom is difficult because of the burden of choices that you have to make. It would have been easy if God told you this is what you should do. And that's the end of the story. You know that if you do it, you are fine. But God did not give you that chair. That, that, God did not give you that He did not mandate anything. He said, I place before you life and death. He said, I urge you to choose life. But at the same time, you can also choose death. It's your choice. So freedom it's difficult because of the burden of choices that you have to that you have to make. Number three, why is freedom difficult? Freedom is difficult because of the burden of responsibility that is attached to it. Freedom is not just free. There is a responsibility attached to it. I've often said that people are more interested in their rights than their responsibility. When you encounter an average American, they will tell you, I have a right to this, I have a right to that. But you never hear them say, I have a responsibility to do this. They never talk about responsibility. But a man who will enjoy true freedom, a man who will enjoy the promise of freedom that God has made, must understand the burden of responsibility. The children of Israel were not able to succeed in the wilderness because they were not able to bear the responsibility. When they were in captivity, it was easy because their taskmaster told them when to get up, when to sleep, when to eat, when to poop, when to even talk to their fellow men. They were all regimented. And that is why people who have gone to jail, you find out that they find it difficult to live in free society because they know that they can sleep in their cell all day and watch TV. Somebody else pays for it. Somebody else provides their clothes. Somebody else provides their food. Somebody else provides their internet and their everything. And they don't have to think about anything. They're not responsible for anything. But when you are free, when you begin to walk in liberty, you are responsible for yourself. You are responsible for your choices. You are responsible to pay the bills. You are responsible to do everything. And that is why when kids get out of the house, that is when they find out that mommy and daddy are doing miracles. By making sure that the lights are still on. They are doing miracles by making sure that the car is still running. They are, making, they are doing miracles by making sure that the fruit, the fridge and the pantries are well stocked. Because when they get their first job and they look at the paycheck and then they start paying bills, they find out that these things don't add up and they begin to wonder, how does mommy do this thing? How does daddy do this thing? It is called the burden of responsibility. Freedom is not free. Freedom is not easy because of the burden of responsibility. You have to wake up to that responsibility. And as the church of the living God, if we are going to enjoy the promise of freedom that God has spoken to his people, you have to wake up to the burden of responsibility. Number four, freedom is challenging because of the burden of restraint. 
Freedom is difficult because of the body of restraint. True freedom is difficult to experience because it requires self-imposed restraint, self-imposed limit, self-imposed correction. I am free to spend every money that comes into my bank accounts. But I have to restrain myself if I have to keep the lights on. I have to restrain myself if I have to put gas in the car. I have to restrain myself if I have to pay the school fees. I have to restrain myself if the pantry is going to be full. I am free to buy every latest jacket or every latest bow tie. Thank God for my sister who bought me one this weekend. And you are free to buy all those wonderful things. But you have to restrain yourself because you know you have other obligations. A man who will live in true freedom must be willing to live under the burden of self-restraint. You must be willing to say, I will limit myself. Paul the apostle said, I put myself under. Lest after preaching to others, I myself will not become a castaway. He said, I am free to all men. But that same thing, that liberty, I make sure it's not a stumbling block to other people. In other words, there's a self-restraint that comes as a result of freedom. You cannot live anyhow and enjoy the freedom of God. It is not possible. It's not possible. I've always told people, you cannot maintain the anointing by sitting in front of the television. There's nothing wrong in watching television. But you have to restrain yourself to say, no, I'm not going to do certain things. There are certain things that you are not going to do, not because they are bad, but because they will not further the advancement or the enjoyment or the experience of the true freedom that God has promised. There has to be the burden of self-restraint. That is why freedom is not easy. Freedom is not easy. Freedom is not easily attainable. It is not enjoyed by everyone because of the burden of discipline. Thank you very much for listening to our program today. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. for our Sunday worship service at 2711 Murfreesboro Road in Antioch, Tennessee. We also host Bible study and prayer meetings every Friday at 7 p.m. Visit us online at www.lifelonganointing.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Join us next time for another edition of Fresh Encounter. On behalf of Lifelong Anointing Church, we thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.